You are listening to Veterinary Mental Health, Turning the Stethoscope Around, Episode 3, presented by Thoughtful Life Counseling. Welcome to the podcast. I am Taylor Miller, a veterinarian and a licensed professional counseling intern. Mental health and work-life balance are critical issues for veterinary professionals. While not intended as a substitute for individual counseling, this podcast seeks to address many of the mental health concerns common to members of our profession. Hello and welcome. Today we are going to discuss how ritual and routine have been affected by the COVID outbreak and pandemic. Both routine and ritual play important parts in our mental health. If you think back through the years, some of the things that we have most strongly associated with positive memory are little rituals. Your holiday rituals, your birthday rituals, rituals that you have with special people in your life, or cultural rituals that provide landmarks for our life. High schoolers right now are losing the opportunity for some of those rituals. A standard graduation ceremony, prom, some of those events that only occur at the very end of your senior year when your teachers have totally given up providing any kind of education. So older children are losing the opportunity to participate in these cultural events that are one of the commonalities that we share with other people who grew up in the U.S., Younger children are losing, if not the ritual element of current life, certainly the routine element of current life. And particularly for young children, routine can be very important. It helps to ground them and it helps them to feel safe because their world is predictable. And particularly for young kids who have very little control over their lives, having a routine that allows them to feel as though their world is in control, even if they are not the ones controlling it, can be important. For the adults in the household, for us, we are dealing with both worlds, our own loss of routine and control and ritual, as well as our children's loss of routine, control and ritual. Any old dogs and cats have certainly lost their routine. Their humans are underfoot and preventing naps in a way that they have grown accustomed to. I imagine our younger creatures are fully embracing this change in situation, but I do feel for some of our our old cats in particular. There have been a lot of changes and shifts to how we live our lives on a daily basis as well as on a grand scale. There are many people out there who are having to cancel vacations, weddings, who are having to rewrite their birth plans because they're not allowed to have more than one person with them, or maybe not even that one person. For anyone who has lost a loved one in the past several months, whether due to COVID or due to some other cause, consider how important our rituals are as they relate to death and to saying goodbye Funerals are largely suspended at this point. Wakes are suspended. Any gathering over X number of people, depending on your state. Celebrations of life, funerals, or wakes can be deeply important to our ability to move on from a death. Not having the ability to gather, to remember, can make grief that much more difficult to bear. It's a time when you need your family and friends the most, and not to be able to meet with somebody in a physical space can be devastating. 
In the workplace, our routines have also been affected. It may be slightly less noticeable because we don't tend to think of having routines in a clinic where anything can happen at any time. But the pattern of how you enter a room, accomplish an exam, and come up with a diagnosis and treatment plan, that is a routine that we employ with every single pet that comes to see us or that we go to see for our mobile practitioners out there and our large animal practitioners. And if we're approaching that process differently, then our routines have changed. And one of the things that we have to remember about routines, habits and routines both form very powerful ruts, if you will, in our brains. And having those ruts means that we're able to open up mental space because we're on autopilot. Not necessarily unthinking autopilot, but we're able to accomplish quite a bit without having to expend active decision-making energy. And now, with the loss of so many of our routines, we are having to spend that active energy for so much more of our day, for so many more actions during our day. Even things as mundane as grocery shopping have been altered. There are arrows pointing in different directions. There are spacing rules. People are more aware of physical space and we're wearing masks in stores now and on many of our errands. Some of our errands we can't accomplish because those stores are no longer open. So we have to find alternate ways of conducting non-essential business. Accomplishing everything that we need to accomplish without the help of routines means that our brains are active for a greater portion of the day than is usually true. We have increased our decision making and increased our mental load to a significant degree. We can no longer rely on unthinking sequential actions or autopilot to get us through chunks of our day. And this is exhausting. Even if the answers aren't too difficult to arrive at, we have to think, and that is a mental load that none of us welcome, given how decision-heavy our jobs already are. A lot of what we have come to expect as routine in our treatment and assessment of our pets is different. We have curbside appointments, which mean that we may miss a lot of history information. Think of how many times you've been in a room and you're talking to a parent and a kid chimes in with, yeah, but then my toy disappeared or some other inane thing that actually helps you understand what's going on with a pet. Or you're doing your physical exam, you're not talking to the owner, and the dog you're assessing nips at you, and the owner says, oh, I meant to say, he's been sore on that front leg ever since yada, yada, yada. So these little chime-ins or tidbits that occur because we have someone in the room with us who's not on the spot trying to deliver all of their history information on demand. The other thing that we're having to deal with are the changes in how we approach euthanasias, how we approach delivery of difficult or sad information, how we discuss something as complicated as diabetes diagnosis with people over the phone instead of in person. I can't tell you how many times I have been trying to explain something to an owner and then realize that I'm miming something or gesturing or demonstrating with my hands and they can't see me over the phone. Usually I'll tell the client what I'm doing. We'll both have a laugh and then I'll start again and I'll attempt to create a better picture with my words. Or think of the times when you're explaining something complicated to a client in the room and you're watching their body language and you say, did that make sense? And they say, yes, 
but their body language is screaming, absolutely not. I did not understand a thing you said, and I'm totally lost. And when you're able to see that body language, you can say, you know, another way that I've heard it explained is, and give them a second chance to ask questions or hear the information in a new way. And so a lot of these things that we don't think of as being routine, but that we have based our habitual practice on are different. Add to that the fact that people are coming to us with a higher baseline of anxiety and client communication is going to be more fraught. We're going to have more communication problems, both because everybody's starting out more anxious and we have reduced that personal feel that comes from being in the same room and being able to read each other's body language and facial expressions to know when we need to slow down or add a little bit extra compassion. Or just pause and let somebody digest something. A pause on a phone, you sometimes wonder if they've left the room, if anybody's still listening. You know, you can't tell what's going on versus being able to get that extra sense in a room with somebody. So the loss of our routines, our rituals, some of the expected ways that our days flow has two big consequences for us. One, we lose the stability of the routine and the fact that that routine frees up mental space for us to contemplate, to ruminate, to problem solve. We need that space and we've lost it. The other element that we have to remember is that routine itself can activate moods or patterns of behavior in us. The routine that we have of getting up in the morning, whatever that routine includes for you, A very basic example is wake up, brush your teeth, get dressed, brush your hair, eat a little breakfast, get out the door. Because of the long-standing routine, all of those items create a signal to your body that says, wake up, it's time to be alert, the day is ready, let's go. If you are not working and because we're not going out as much, there's nothing to do outside, maybe getting dressed isn't really important for your day. Maybe you don't brush your teeth because you're going to plan on staying in and you'll get to it later. While it's not a problem to skip or alter your morning routine, what you may notice is downstream fatigue. You feel more sluggish for the remainder of that day. You never quite wake up. Your body never quite gets the signal that it's time to get going and get moving. And maybe you don't need to get going or get moving. But if that sluggishness also affects your mental state or you don't feel as good that day, it may be worth going through your normal morning routine, even if you don't have anywhere to go, just to have the benefits of feeling as though you have launched, you have activated your day, you're ready to go. And if you recognize that having a routine would be beneficial, but you're not particularly attached to your old routine, it's absolutely acceptable to create a new routine that better matches your needs for this new world that we're living in. But the key point here is consistency. Pick something and be consistent about it, and it will help improve your sense of control. It'll revive order, and sometimes even just the ability to accomplish something, even if it's as small as making your bed every morning, can give you a boost that will improve your mental health baseline for the day. If you are in a position to cultivate new routines, my first suggestion, of course, would be self-care routines. And I'm not talking about revolutionizing an exercise program such that you are working out two hours every day, coming up from a baseline of half an hour, three times a week. 
Maybe your circumstances mean that you do have more time, but rather than trying to maximize some area of your life in a way that might be appropriate for a vacation or a restful period between jobs, instead realize or recognize that you have lost a great deal of mental space and packing your available time with ambitious projects may not be the best way to take care of yourself. Maybe instead of establishing routines that would have no chance of continuing beyond this COVID period, spend some thoughtful time carefully establishing small but permanent self-care routines. An item that would fit well into this category is a mindfulness habit. I will be returning to mindfulness quite a bit. It is something I'm quite passionate about. And to derive benefit from a mindfulness practice takes 10 minutes a day to start. Certainly, the more you invest, the more you get out of it, but 10 minutes a day can make a difference in your life. And that's an amount of time that one could reasonably expect to invest both in the current state of the world, as well as after we have settled into a new normal. The final thing that I want to mention with regard to routines is that some of our pre-COVID routines or habits might actually be harmful to us in our current state. If you were a compulsive news checker prior to COVID, but you find that COVID-related news makes you anxious, checking the news multiple times a day is something that's only going to raise your overall anxiety or stress level. And you may need to choose a specific time of day, preferably in the middle of the day, to check one time and make that a new habit. Studies have found that if you read news or read something distressing first thing in the morning, it does really set the tone for the rest of your day. And if you have difficulty sleeping, reading something stressful right before bed is not a great way to get into a healthy sleep pattern. Another thing to consider are your communication patterns. Maybe your habit was to check in with friends or family via social media or phones once a week, once every other week. Maybe you didn't use it at all. But during social isolation, that habit may need to be changed to provide you with the social connection necessary to keep your mental health where it should be. Maybe you need the reassurance of hearing your parents' voice a couple of times a week to know that they're okay. Maybe now is the right time to give a call to the old friends or the long-distance friends you usually speak to once or twice a year. Maybe now is a great time to reconnect. Everybody is going to be having a different experience depending on where they're living and what type of community response is occurring. And sharing stories, sharing trials and tribulations, as well as triumphs, can absolutely be a way to boost your own spirits as well as spread the love and make sure that some of those people who you aren't in touch with as frequently are doing okay. Today's handout will ask you to assess how your typical routines and loss of those routines has been affecting your ability to care for yourself and to participate in your caretaking roles. The hope is that by evaluating what has changed and what has been lost, you will have the knowledge necessary to deliberately craft new routines that will both serve to free up your mental space and as a result, improve your well-being and improve your capacity to deal with all of the other things that we are handling that are non-routine related. You can find the handout on my website as well as an opportunity to sign up for my newsletter. 
The newsletter will be delivered twice a month with one exception. October has three even-numbered Fridays, so you will be getting three newsletters in October. Beyond that, I promise twice monthly only. I absolutely do not want to abuse the trust that you give me in handing over your email. I will not be spamming you. I will not be sending unsolicited emails to newsletters. That's it. In those newsletters, I will have links to my podcast episodes and blog posts of the past two weeks, along with their associated handouts. I will have the handouts in PDF form, so they'll be fairly easy to simply download and print. Beyond that, I will have any mental health news as it relates to those topics, any additional resources that I come up with that might be related to those topics. And at the very bottom, if I do have any personal announcements or announcements as they relate to my business or purpose here, which is to improve the overall mental well-being of veterinary professionals and any healthcare workers who might be listening, shout out to you as well. In that small section, I may add an announcement or an invitation or a survey question or a quick response question that might give me material for my future blogs. But you can ignore that section. The goal is to keep it user-friendly and to really find the best way that I can to serve you and to bring you the topics that you want, the information that is going to be most helpful, and to break it down into bites that are possible to take in while you're doing laundry or driving or completing all of the multitude of tasks that I know are on your plate. Please bear with me. This is absolutely a process, a learning curve. You would not believe the number of times that I have stopped and started this particular episode trying to get the information that I wanted in the order that I wanted. The first time I thought that I would have a semi-script to read off of, but I find that the script just distracts me. So I'm going totally off book when I record these. And I'm hoping that at some point I will find a happy medium that will allow me to create something If not first try, at least second or third try, not 16th, 18th, 23rd try, which is currently how this process is going. I'll get there. And with your feedback, I'll get there faster. So I really do want to hear from you. I want to know if I'm hitting the mark with some of these topics that I've chosen, if there are topics that you would prefer to be hearing about, or if there are ways of hearing about topics that will be more useful. I'm also open to feedback like slow down or take a breath or speed up, take fewer breaths, whatever whatever floats your boat or whatever is going to be most useful to you, I want to adjust. We have one more episode in our series of three, the self-care package that I put together. The last episode is salvaging self-care. So it's specifically addressing some of the self-care issues that have resulted from the COVID situation. It will incorporate some of what we've talked about both in the previous episode as well as today's episode, but it will have additional and new information to take into consideration. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's always a pleasure. I hope that you will continue on this wellness journey beyond the last of our of our package of three. Future episodes will be released on Monday mornings and materials related to that episode will be available on my social media platforms throughout the week. This has been a mental health moment brought to you by Thoughtful Life Counseling. 
If you found today's episode helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and consider leaving me a review. You can download the handout mentioned in today's episode by visiting my website at thoughtfullifecounseling.com. To have the handouts delivered by email, please sign up to receive my twice-monthly newsletter. If you have topic requests, questions, or comments, please contact me through my website or any one of my social media platforms. Take care of yourself and tune in for part three of my COVID self-care package, Salvaging Self-Care.